Hello again and welcome to I've Got a Beatles podcast with Dave and Chris. Oh, you're sure it's not I Got I mean, a Roddy Spector podcast? It's not. <laughs> yeah, we probably threw some of you for a loop with that opening track playing the very famous, uh, Is that that's the Ronettes, is it not? Yeah, that's the Ronettes. Yes, with Be My Baby, which I believe was uh, Brian Wilson. I think, didn't he sit in bed for like a year and listen to that tune on repeat? I'm pretty sure he's, he did that at some point. Uh, but <laughs> very, very uh, identifiable. Whole other episode, Brian Wilson. Yes, Brian yes. Wilson. We'll have to do a Brian Wilson. Definitely. But that, yeah, that song is very identifiable for mainly for its producer and that's the uh very well-known and infamous phil specter and he's going to be in part the subject of our episode today uh and we're going to start a uh not i don't know if it's necessarily going to be a series but certainly we're going to come back to him because there's so many of these we're going to call them beetle myths and we thought it'd be a fun way to start uh the series here with one that comes up a lot in uh, Beatle debates or if you're at the fest for Beatle fans or things like that and certainly amongst the Beatles themselves uh, and the question to, for today's podcast is did Phil Spector ruin let it be and that's the myth here because I think Chris you probably have heard people say that before oh the, you know the yeah. album was ruined when Spector got it well I uh <laughs> Or maybe you think feel that I, I, I might even. Out. I think I might even heard. Uh, 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 we played uh, uh, in our hundredth episode a clip of uh, of you arguing that "Let It Be" was the worst Beatles album, and maybe even uh, mentioned some of this uh, production. So, so it, it's going to be interesting after further review to see if Phil. We didn't. We didn't frame it. You didn't frame it as well. Phil Spector ruined this album, right? Uh, but I've heard people say that before, and, and uh, c- certainly um, it's a, it's commonly thought and mentioned in the anthology book and and mm-hmm. all this thing of uh, making a big big deal about Phil Spector's involvement with Let It Be. So so it's a good topic to uh, take a uh, look at. Definitely, and yeah, I guess I did say that at some point. It's funny how you, when you actually dig into something a little more you your opinion might change or you temper your views a little bit but i i'm interested in phil specter's impact particularly and we're going to frame it today is uh, looking at three specific tracks and then a fourth uh, as part of the discussion as well but three particular tunes on let it be one of which i don't even have to say because everyone knows it's the most controversial one it's the one paul's been talking about forever and that's the long and winding mm-hmm. road uh, but Phil Spector also had a huge influence on Across the Universe and I, Me, Mine, uh, also on Let It Be. So uh, we thought we'd take a look at the before and after versions of those tunes and talk about what we like, what we don't like, and you know, come up with a, an opinion on did Phil Spector really ruin these tracks and the whole project. What set up the circumstances that led to Phil Spector becoming involved? in this very sordid tale here so we're we're dealing with (laughs) the beatles trying to get back uh, to their roots by recording the what would become let it be which was called get back in january 1969 for that whole month so they recorded it it was you know very 
some bad times for the group. Uh, there was a lot of fighting. George quit the band at one point. Uh, they just were, were yeah, the, the, Chris is holding the authoritative source there, which is the Get Back, the Unauthorized Chronicle of the Beatles, Let It Be Disaster, a great book by Sulpy and Schweigert, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes through and tells in, in gory detail all the drama. And so they finished, well, they thought they finished the album, and George Martin had kind of had enough. Glenn Johns, who's become a famous producer, uh, he was he made a mix of it and kind of tried to put it together, but then it just sat. Uh, they just had bad feelings about it, and so they record Abbey Road. Yeah. So yeah. then, you know, they record Abbey Road, big success, but you've got all this stuff from the Let It Be sessions still there. And well, and furthermore, when they were making Let It Be, they were also filming it. Yeah, so they're right, like, okay, the well, let's we gotta release this movie. This movie's coming together. Yep. We gotta release this movie. The movie's gotta have a soundtrack. Yeah, we can't exactly. just release the release nothing. Right. We, you know, you need or the Glenn Johns thing that we hate or anything like that. So I'm sure that they came together and tried to <laughs> decide as a group, but post post Abbey Road, they're, they they yeah. don't want to talk to each other. No, it was hopeless. So. What happened, basically, the, the long story short, is our good friend Alan Klein came into the picture here, and uh, with the blessing of John... Ooh, we should have a boo sound that we, like, <laughs> Boo! Yeah. Anytime Alan Klein's mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Klein, with the blessing of George and John, uh, approached Phil Spector, who always had said he wanted to work with the Beatles, and asked him, they turned over the recordings to Phil Spector to try to make something out of this. And so yeah. in March and April of 1970, that's what he did. So John had just worked uh, with Phil Spector on Instant Karma, so right. which was a big hit. It sounded great. Yep. Everybody loves that song. Yep. So, so uh, it's not inconceivable to be like, oh, you know what? If we brought him in... Maybe, maybe, maybe this guy can do something with it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Because Phil Spector was a big name producer. Obviously, had a lot of hits and very famous. Uh, and and he, yeah, like you say, he'd worked with John and George was there too. And they were impressed by the way they got the thing done so quickly. And Instant Karma turned out well. So hey, let's let's let Phil Spector do this. So he was given free reign uh, and access to the all the Let It Be tapes and did a lot of remixing, did a lot of editing, did a lot mm-hmm. of overdubbing and orchestrating and stuff. And so the album you hear uh, is, was it, on the album it was called Reproduced for Disc by Phil Spector. It didn't say produced, it said reproduced. Mm-hmm. So he kind of took the existing material and refashioned it in his own way. So it's really an interesting story how it all happened. And then, of course, we're going to talk about this at another future podcast but phil specter would do a lot of solo work with john and george uh through the early 70s and and it became kind of a bad situation at the end of which when we talked about john's rock and roll album uh, (laughs) that was kind of the end of the road for the beatles and phil specter when he's shooting the ceiling and (laughs) yeah showing up drunk and just a total disaster so but you know this is what happened at the time so uh, that yeah, March and April of 1970 were the times when Phil Spector was trying to do something with all this stuff, and yeah. 
And that, that's the thing. I mean, Let It Be is a weird album. And I did say it was my least favorite. I've come uh, come to say it's not... No, you said it was oh, the worst the worst Beatles the album? Day. Okay. Well, <laughs> now that I've... <laughs> well, is it hot in here? Uh... <laughs> Boy. No, uh... it, is your, it is your least favorite album, yeah, for sure. I'm going to temper that a little bit and say I appreciate, now that I've done a lot of research on Phil Spector for another project I'm doing, uh, I, I can sympathize with him. And I think he probably did what... John said, uh, we, it, this is a family podcast, so I can't repeat the quote exactly, but John basically said, Phil Spector took the worst material recorded with the worst spirit about it and then made something listenable to it. And I, I would agree with that. And if you've heard some of the Let It Be sessions, they're pretty atrocious. A lot of them are really, there's some good stuff, but there's some pretty hideous playing too. Before we get into these specific tracks, these specific examples, I want I want to like uh, uh, go over a couple of these points. One is that point you just made that it's the blankiest yeah. uh, <laughs> material. Yes, we, I, I held up that book for one reason, mm-hmm. and that's that this book is telling you how terrible the, yeah. the recording sessions were. Everybody knows how terrible the recording sessions were. Yep, they were not good sessions they didn't they didn't come into it with the same kind of energy that they come into other projects with not even abby they Rose, into it. yeah which yeah. was just later yeah the, you know and part of it was the schedule and like to get up in the morning and go to this cold what, yeah. what they said was a very cold studio yeah and just kind of like be tired and kind of plodding along mm-hmm. and you know, and Yoko's there sleeping probably. <laughs> you know, it's just like not the best atmosphere. And no. then clock out at five and go home and yeah, just be like nobody was into it. No, you know, George qu- qu- leaving, quitting. Yep. For a period of time, just nobody wants to be there. John and Yoko were on heroin through that time, yeah. so they were kind of just out of it totally. So the tapes that were handed over to first off nobody else successfully made a mix of this album true yeah. right i mean the glenn johns did mix it for production but they weren't happy with it so yeah yeah so so the material so uh, there's a there's a term in in football so like if if you're uh like your your team doesn't score a lot and then like afterwards they're interviewing the quarterback he'll say like well we left a lot of plays on the field ah right yeah i like that, I've Meaning, heard that yeah. we could have made these great plays but we did just didn't do it and that's how i feel about a lot of let it be mm-hmm. is there were great tunes there to do a great beatles production on them and they didn't quite they didn't quite get it done the first go. Yeah. 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 So this is what's left for this guy to try to do something with that. Mm-hmm. So that's point number one on this. I would agree. I, yeah. I, point number two on this is Dig a Pony, Two of Us, Maggie May. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a feeling one after nine oh nine, for you blue, get back. We're not going to be talking about any of those tracks. Why? Because they're all right. Yeah. Not yeah. great, but they're all right. I mean, some of them are pretty good. Yeah. Some I, of them I are love, from... I've got a feeling. 
And a know? lot of them are from the rooftop concert. So yeah, yeah. So so and the and the the whole project's idea was like, oh, we want something to be authentic and 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 natural and real. Well, he he try. I think I feel like he tried. Phil Spector tried to do that. Yeah, for the most part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so half of the album he did that for. Nobody yeah. nobody is like uh. Ugh, I've got a feeling so overproduced. And, no, and, and no. What a what a wreck. No. <laughs> if, if anything, they uh, was reading quotes about what he did because you know, like you said, you don't really think think much about the other tracks, but he actually did do some things to Two of Us and uh, other tracks to kind of bring out the vocals, and he did some mixing stuff to clarify a lot. So he actually enhanced them without making the wall of sound effect on them. So yeah, yeah, but that, they're not the ones we talk about because they're subtle. The third, the third thing I'll say, um, and this track we won't play. Oh, we'll play. Maybe we'll play the at the end of the episode. Uh, is "Let It Be." My preferred version of "Let It Be" is this one from from "Let It Be" with the rollicking, <laughs> rocking guitar, the fuzzy solo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it, and I think even if it's an overdub or, or however it was put together, it makes it sound more like what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a rocking band playing together. Mm-hmm. Right. Then the other, the other, the single version or, or any of the other versions anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. so that was a good decision by Spectre and, uh, yeah, that certainly we'll we'll hear it at the end. The guitar solo is so much far superior to the the one you can't even hear on the other the single. It's like melds into the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I kind of like the single version too. But but I I, I this when I first you know because everybody heard the single version on uh, yeah. forever on and then and when they were re released those CDs back mm-hmm. in the '80s. That was the last little bundle to come out. Right. Let It Be was one of the last ones I got. And then I heard the Let It Be version. I was like, oh, I like this version a lot better. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like really cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, it really shows off that guitar solo. So so, so right there, I've, I've got, I'm, I'm sort of leaning towards, uh, uh, you know, with those, with those uh, pieces of information, uh, uh, maybe... He did a pretty good job on this, but he did. let's let's get into let's get into these let's yeah. get into these other tracks here. And to kind of give some background on what you're listening for, a lot of people already know that Phil Spector is most famous for his wall of sound concept of recording, which basically means you use a lot of reverb or a lot of echo, and then you re you record certain parts many times so you could have like five guitars on a part and two pianos then you double the drums then you have more layers of percussion so just heavy lots of layers with a lot of echo and uh, it's it's a very effective and very it, it the if you're a classical music fan it's often compared to Wagner so making a Wagnerian you know Richard Wagner was a German composer who wrote huge spectacular operas and they're just enormous and so it's the same kind of effect here something very big dramatic and a big sound like Be My Baby uh, even though it's a small group of people playing so these three tunes that we're going to play and talk about all have 
in some shape or way or form some uh, wall of sound effect on them and i think that's that makes them interesting and notable just for that just the fact that the mm-hmm. beatles have got to experience this sound as well so you, you want to start with i me mine uh, and we'll, we're gonna what we're gonna do is play an earlier version of it or one of either the let it be naked or anthology versions and then we'll talk about the, the actual let it be specterized version so tell us, I'm curious what you think, Chris, about I, Me, Mine as a song, and uh, maybe you want to play it first, and then we can hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, why don't we play the Let It Be Naked version of I, Me, Mine, and then it'll go into the, you'll, you'll hear the difference between that and the regular version, so... Chris, what what are your thoughts on I, Me, Mine as a song? Uh, of course, George Harrison tune and uh, the two different versions that we heard. And then uh, we'll give you some recording info after that. Well, a third version we didn't hear, the Anthology 3 version, is like a minute and a half long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One minute and 34 that? seconds. Because that was the song, right? That yeah. was the whole friggin' song. And so that's all he had to work with. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's like, ah, let's do, let's do this. Let's double it. Let's, we'll double it. I'll add some dramatic sort of strings and horns. We heard a lot of horns. <laughs> yeah, the remastered uh, version uh, really brings out the the. There's just the orchestration on here. You've got eighteen violins, four violas, four cellos, harp, three trumpets, and three trombones. <laughs> wow, that's a lot for a short song. Yeah. So. I think this is one of the instances of these. This is probably the instance of the three of them where he did the best work. Mm. Double, double, turned a turned a non song into a song, <laughs> basically, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and then they and then they and added the. I think the strings and the horns here actually add some drama to it. Yes. make it more urgent sounding. Make it more of an intense kind of a thing and if it was so if it was so horrible then why did when we played the let it be naked version why did they play the doubled version yeah that's that's a very good point it, it's become the go-to version nobody thinks of it as the short 
one minute 34 second version uh, yeah yeah it it just it flows really well as to just repeat that part and then add the dramatic flair it's, it's orchestrating and we, it, now would be yeah. a good time to mention an old friend from several podcasts richard hewson uh oh, yeah. did the arrangements for this album as he did for can you remember uh, very recently in fact a recent podcast we just talked about her uh he did the arrangements for those were the days by mary hopkin and he also oh, did the, the james yeah. taylor album as well so he's he's around a lot so he did the arrangement for this so i guess someone could say kind of going off your point though you know this is such a non-song is it really worth hiring orchestra you know a very big group of musicians here i've got 18 22 20, almost 30 musicians here for a <laughs> minute and a half song uh is it worth it or is the was phil specter maybe so impressed by the the lyrical meaning of it with being about ego and uh george's reflections on what was going on in the beatles that he thought it was worth it well i think maybe he th- he he what's the title of george harrison's book yeah exactly is i you mean know? mine yeah so so and and there's if you if you have that book there's a like a, several pages uh, dedicated to I Me Mine yeah. and the meaning behind it uh, and that kind of thing. So I think he saw something in it mm-hmm. and he turned he made it into something. Yeah. And then and then they came. Oh, oh, guys, come back to the studio and we're gonna record this one. and We're gonna just do that thing twice. Right. You know. So I I, I think is it the greatest Beatles track. <laughs> there ever was no but but there is something to it you know yeah and george harrison didn't write a nasty letter to in fact he hired him to do his next album that's right that's right that's one of the one of the greatest one of the greatest uh beatles solos albums there is if not the best (laughs) so 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 I think he, I think George Harrison liked it. Yeah. And I think it turned a nothing into a something. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that the orchestrations work on it. I would agree with you on that. And it, it I don't mind the Let It Be Naked version. It's cool no, it's too. Fine. But, but, but it just sounds unfinished in a way. It sounds kind of like, like an idea, not all, all together, uh, incomplete yeah. maybe. So this a little trivia for you though. This is the last song recorded ever by the group, minus John who doesn't play on it. But on January third, nineteen nineteen seventy, that was the last time they recorded as a as the Threedles, uh until the nineties, right? Until we got to yeah, uh, oh yeah, until yeah. Jeff Lynn, <laughs> so <laughs> another producer. Uh, yeah, John wasn't there either. No, John was not there either. Interesting. Wow, interesting connection. Uh, Next up, we have a one from John. Okay, so the one from John. So let's play play this again before we talk about it. Let's play the Anthology 2 version recorded way back in 1968. And then we'll play the uh, Let It Be version. We'll talk about the many, many, many versions (laughs) of Across the Universe. Stop flowing out like 
look up, they slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. Pools of sorrow, waves of joy are drifting through my open mind, possessing and caressing me. So I know in previous podcasts, you've mentioned that Across the Universe is not necessarily your favorite John Lennon track. Uh, so I'm, I'm yeah. interested to hear what you what your thoughts are on the different versions here. Now, yeah, you mentioned the many, many, many versions. There are others. The one with... <laughs> yes, we missed the birds on that one. <laughs> but the... Yeah, the, the swooping birds. Uh, There's more swooping birds in a, that version of Across the Universe than there is in Free as a Bird video. Oh, that's true. That's, <laughs> that's um, uh, but yeah, what are your thoughts? So you, we played the yeah the February 1968 version, which was very much White Album-esque, India-esque, and then uh, the Let yeah. It Be a couple of years later. I think probably that Anthology 2 version is the best existing um, across the universe, mm. other than maybe the one with John and David Bowie, which oh, yeah. I like. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's not a great... I think this is the best example of a tune they never quite got right. A tune they never got a great recording of. Yeah. They couldn't decide what key it was in or what speed it was. They needed to get in and get like roll up the sleeves and get real serious about it and innovating it. I think that the why I think that anthology two version's the closest is because it's got that sort of uh, drone thing. Yeah, and maybe what this needed, yeah, mm-hmm. maybe what this needed was some some like. For for him and and um, um, George to get together and be like, hey, let's let's Indian this up a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, because that was its roots, right? So yeah, yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, the other thing I think this is at the top of uh, the range, maybe a little beyond the top of the range, <laughs> a John's vocal range. What now? I've always been curious what you think, uh, why this was included, and like, why Across the Universe makes this album. From what I can tell, it's that if you look, if you read the book, if you, the uh, Get Back book, 
you're constantly seeing that John had basically zero inspiration, had zero tunes to choose from. Uh, he really had, was pretty dry because he was, you know, on drugs and not interested. He was hanging out with Yoko, so uh, he wasn't writing much and really didn't have much to choose from. So they they thought, well, this was a good tune. Never thought it was recorded properly. And yeah. so he brought it out again for the Let It Be sessions and then still later said it wasn't recorded properly. And he thought Paul was trying to sabotage it in some way uh, <laughs> by just not giving much effort to it. So, yeah, it is. I do feel like it's. Just, yeah, I mean, he might have a point. Yeah, that's true. He might have a point. I it, it didn't get recorded properly. No, it it's, is where what what I'm I'm after yeah and you know so uh uh this is what he's got to work with yeah something that's not that great now the strings on this aren't that good the nor the women's vocal <laughs> choir or any of that i mean what all's on this so uh, here, so he did so phil specter uh if you compared the versions we just played you you heard that it was slowed down the second one slowed it down so it made a little bit longer uh and it made it, it in a way it sounds more lethargic and or kind of listless to borrow a chris term but he added the orchestral and choral they had the women's chorus on there and also remixed it quite a bit and so you lose the indianness of it and it becomes less of lesser less about that and more of a folk kind of wispy folk type tune with this orchestration on it so that's kind yeah. of what he did but yeah, it just—I don't know. It just sounded sounds kind of like lazy. Yeah, uh, this song, the vo- the lyrics are great. Yeah, you know, but but it just never it never quite did it for me. I, I've always not been a fan of the song at, at that much, and I could see people pointing at this one and being like, "Ah, oh, this song's not that great." Yeah, but if if you're pointing at it and you're saying Phil Spector, this this is probably the quintessential one where it's like. The play was left on the field. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't get it done. Yep. <laughs> in the in the any of the reversions of the recordings of it. So they're like, eh, well, I guess we gotta, you know, yeah. let's try it again and give it to and, them. And, yeah. yeah. And John's like you said, John. John doesn't. There's not much more to choose from. No. John wise. No. I mean, Dick Dick <laughs> and Pony was scraps a scraps of dig yeah. it up, dig it up, dig it up, yeah, it was pretty running on fumes at that point. So, I mean, mixed. So, if we say I Me Mine was an improvement, Across the Universe is kind of a mixed bag to maybe minus uh, on the Phil Spector production on this, based on just the, the, I don't know if they're unnecessary additions to the song or it just needed to be re recorded with an inspired band. Yeah. 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 So. That so leaves that leaves us with one. Yeah. Track. Oh boy. This the, the big one that caused all the issues. Yes. So, so they made such a big stink when they released "Let It Be Naked" that this is a like. A quote from uh, Ringo uh, was, which I think is a bizarre quote, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll quote it uh, uh, here. Uh, he was so impressed with "Let It Be Naked." He's like. There's nothing wrong with Phil's strings. This is just a different attitude to listening. But it's been 30-odd years since I've heard it without all that, and it just blew me away. And I'm like, 
Wasn't there a version on the anthology that did Devil <laughs> Lives Drake? Yes, that's true. Did Ringo not listen to the anthology? <laughs> it's possible. It I is guess. possible. That's true. I don't know. I'm just happy to be here, you know. But uh, uh, so let's play the "Let It Be Naked" version of this one, and then we'll play that the uh, the one from uh, "Let It Be Long and Winding Road." The long and winding road that leads to your door will never disappear. I've seen that road before Okay, so let's dig into this. The Long and Winding Road, uh, which also has some trivia attached to it. Uh, April 1st, 1970 was the last session uh, that, that was done for a Beatles album at the time. It was just Ringo playing drums on the overdub session with Phil Spector. And uh, there's a lot of funny stories about that because I guess Phil there, was in a bad wait, mood. There's a there's overdubs on this one? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're getting back to basics. This is authentic. We're just yeah. recording. Yeah, so uh, Ringo was the last one at a Beatles session in April. And this orchestra is just insane. Uh, to go along, just, just to give the numbers here, for the version that we ended, you just heard, there are eight violins, four violas, four cellos, harp, three trumpets, Two trombone or three trombones, two guitars, and a choir of fourteen women. Uh, so, <laughs> fourteen women. Yes, fourteen women on yeah. the Let It Be version of the Long and Winding Road. So now, for people who argue that, or like like Paul McCartney who argues that this isn't how it was supposed to be, and blah blah blah, it didn't seem to bother the public too much because it was a number one hit in the U.S. It was the last. Beatles single, number one hit, and 
There's a great quote from the new uh, Rob Sheffield book here, which is called Dreaming the Beatles. Uh, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more at the end of the show, including a giveaway. So stay tuned to the end of the show. Uh, but he's talking about Let It Be. And Rob Sheffield says, uh, Spectre botched the production so badly for the album Let It Be. Paul held a grudge, refusing to shake Spectre's hand at award ceremonies and releasing his own 2002 remix, Let It Be Naked. Note the superbly Pauline irony of spending 32 odd years futzing over an album called Let It Be. Uh, so that's pretty funny in, the, in that way. He's, you know, let it be, and yet he's ne never can let it be. So yeah. <laughs> you, you found a quote from Phil Spector, actually, right? Saying, uh, talking about Paul's reaction. Yeah, this is from Phil Spector. Uh, it says, Paul had no problem picking up the Academy Award for the Let It Be movie soundtrack, nor did he have any problem in using my arrangement of the string <laughs> and horn and choir parts when he performed it for 25 years of touring on his own. If Paul wants to get into a pissing contest about it, <laughs> he's got me mixed up with someone who gives a shit. <laughs> That's pretty funny. That's from... Uh, uh, yeah. Craig Cross uh, and the Beatles day, day by day, song by song, record by record. That's great. That's great. So pretty funny. And then, of course, in the anthology, they, you know, both yeah. of them, we, we hear both Paul and and uh, 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 the probably the more, most famous quote is George Martin. He yes. didn't didn't like it at all. And he said, I, oh, I thought the album should have come out and said produced by George Martin, overproduced by yeah. Phil Spector. <laughs> right. Right. So. Pretty so funny. What do you make of this whole controversy and the whole back and forth and, and thinking about the first version we heard and then the the final version on Long and Winding Road? Well, they're probably all right. And they probably I, I understand when I you know, it's like a guy who wrote a movie and then somebody came in and did rewrites on it. Mm hmm. You know, or uh, somebody made uh, 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 the, the director, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, right? Great director. And every single one of his movies, he's had complete control of, except yeah. his first one, Hard Eight, where he made the film and then they brought in somebody else to edit it. And he didn't like the way it was edited. So he sort of disavows that thing, hmm. even though Hard Eight's just a fine movie the way it is. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> I, I think that they probably it's so precious to them and that particular song being a, a good song that Paul is like, oh, this is a good song. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that fact that it was just it was over the top, <laughs> the production. I mean, you read the amount of yeah. people on it. Ridiculous. And so, so. I guess the criticism people say about the orchestration is that it makes the song sappy or like very syrupy and uh like sugary sweet and it's because it's a sad song to begin with pretty melancholy uh but it really accentuates that so do you is that is that do you buy that as the criticism that it's just it's so over the top it makes it seem so sappy uh yeah I, I'll, I'll buy it <laughs> would you buy it yeah i think so <laughs> uh, but is that a bad thing? I don't know. Not necessarily. I mean, a lot of when I was reading stuff for this uh, discussion, there are some people who say that it actually redeems the song because it was a very thin song in the Let It Be Naked version. And it's just very too spare. And it needed something. 
I will say I was expecting when I purchased Let It Be Naked to be just like, oh, man, I'm going to be blown away by Long and Winding Road. And I wasn't. And I maybe it's another case of like, geez, if if we you got a little bit extra buy in from some of the other guys, mm-hmm. if they were getting along better, that maybe they they would have like come up with a, you know, something additional to yeah. to to really make the song stand out. But yeah. at, on its own, it's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine without the orchestration. It's not too bad with the orchestration. Yeah, and he did use the orchestration later, which I think is funny from a guy who's so like, oh, he ruined my song, and then he's like, <laughs> well, I'll use some of the stuff he did. Which I heard. I listened to the uh, one of the myriad live albums of Paul since <laughs> the seventies. I listened to his version on Back in the U.S tour oh yeah and it is there you hear the long winding road do 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 that whole <laughs> the it's the brass part it's all there uh played yeah. by keyboard or something or guitars uh but yeah there's also another is a another theory about this about why phil specter did this and i'm curious oh, yeah. what you think of this it's apparently the well it is bad i've heard it the bass playing john plays bass on this tune in the the original version of it is uh, uh, described as in, by some people as atrocious bass playing <laughs> <laughs> and so in a way it was phil specter put all this stuff on to cover up john's awful bass playing could that be a reason for the over the topness now paul says well you could just re-recorded it why'd you have to <laughs> why'd you have to you know put all this stuff and cover it up I mean, I I think too, you know, like you're catching you're catching people at the worst time. Yes, yes. You're that's, catching that's people, uh, and you're catching Paul at his absolute like worst time in his life, probably. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. like this this you know, if anyone wanted the Beatles to continue and be a great thing, yeah, uh, it's Paul, and then just like slowly kind of. 68 69 and 70 kind of melted away yeah and and he he tried hard to keep it together i i've been in positions like that where Mm -hmm. i had a i had a sketch group called the grandma june sewing circle and it just started kind of falling apart and getting away from me and i kept trying to hold on to it a little too long i be i became miserable oh you know yeah. They, they were they were fine, the other guys. I got yeah. no no issues with any of the people, but it was me. It was my it was my emotional yeah. attachment to a thing that's falling apart, you know. And Paul was miserable. became sour and miserable yeah. and pissy, really. Yeah. yeah, you know. And that's how that's how I feel like you're catching Paul at that moment, and he's like, "Ugh, they've ruined my they've ruined my song." This is one of the reasons I'm quitting the Beatles. This yeah. and you know that's yeah. one of the six reasons or whatever it was that he <laughs> right. listed as reasons he was leaving the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah. no song of mine is ever going to be uh, altered <laughs> in any way ever right? by anyone but me. It's like, yep. what? That's never happened before. Like, there's, there's no. been, you know, no. and especially so. given the condition that it was in and the condition that those sessions were in. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He had to do something and, yeah, we we can debate. Maybe it was too much, but it, it, as I said, the public didn't seem to mind, and it's it's 
you know, number one hit and was still a very popular song. And he still plays it today. If yeah. you go see him now, you'll still hear Long and Winding Road. The Since the sessions were so bad, you could make an argument that the real move here would have been to talk everybody into an Abbey Road-esque return to the studio and being like, all right, guys, we've got <laughs> certain tracks we did for this thing. Let's get them right. Let's yeah. go in. Let's make a great album. We're going to use these tracks, maybe throw in something else that, you know, John, do you got anything? That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no one was willing to do that. Not at that, at that time, no. So, But that would that would be the, the actual real solution. Mm-hmm. So we never got that real solution. What we got was Alan Klein making a decision based on 75% of the band thinking it was a good idea. Yeah, yeah. To bring in this dude, or or fifty percent uh, uh, thinking it was a good idea, and twenty five percent not caring at all. Yeah. <laughs> and Ringo, uh, uh, you know, so yeah. you know, it's an unfortunate circumstance, but I think it's a complete myth to say that Phil Spector's to blame for for Let It Be not being good. Yeah, I I would completely that's agree. Where I'd, that's where I'd sit on it. That's I I. I've come to that realization now after yep. my education and studying all this in more detail that, yeah, I, I have a version of the Get Back album that without the Spectre. I have the Glenn Johns version, and it's fine, but just sounds kind of, maybe it, it sounds what they like what they wanted it to be, sort of a rough, over, no overdubs, just kind of play it as, as it is, warts and all. But I think let it be the Spectre versions are much more listenable and more uh, they they improve a lot of the the material that he was given. So uh, and the fact that it's it's interesting he's the only person besides George Martin who really produced the Beatles. So that's also yeah. unique in that regard. I mean he didn't produce them necessarily through an album, but uh, but did something with their material. Yeah. So unique for that. Now, do you think so we're we're told we're going to get a Giles Martin white album. Yes. Do you think we'll get a Giles Martin Ooh. Let it be. That's a tough one. Ooh, that is the million dollar question. <laughs> yeah. You know, that would be a good question for uh, our listeners to weigh in on here to see do you think what are they going to do with Let it be? Will Giles Martin be involved with it because his father had such a, you know, sour view of that whole time and didn't end up producing what was released? I could see them framing it as like, here's the here's the let it be my father would have produced yeah, if he yeah. really been given the chance. That's right. And That's right. and 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 to have the Phil Spector one there remastered and all mm-hmm. that stuff, and then to have the the new version, okay, and then maybe throw let it be naked on there and then yeah. and then give us two or three discs of of the bonus stuff yeah from the, the from the meandering yeah. oh oh no wait we don't need a bonus disc we've got this great bonus oh, disc yeah. let it be naked of <laughs> fly on the wall jibber jabber <laughs> that i listened to once and never listened once to it <laughs> used as a coaster yes, now indeed just yeah. one of the one of the worst things there'll be a there'll be a someday uh an episode of like uh worst or most l- pointless useless yes. things 
That would and be that, up there, yeah. definitely. Be on there. Yeah. But yeah, I could I could see him doing it because additionally, of course, we've never gotten a proper release of the no. freaking movie. And that would be the time ridiculous. to do that. That would like like sort of like a Sergeant Pepper box set, like the one they just released, having the DVD or whatever we ha- have in a couple of years, uh, but having it available. The movie, yeah, completely redone with bonus footage and all that stuff would be great. So I don't know if it's going to happen. I'd love it. I'd I would love too. A, a I'd, complete I'd pay for set. it. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, and as much as we're like uh, maligning all this stuff, it's like, ooh, thank goodness we have all these tracks and all these versions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen. And they're all good. I, I know I'm 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 I sell them short sometimes, but it's like I like and I like this version of I've Got a Feeling and One After Nine Hundred Nine, sure. Dig sure. a Pony, and Two of Us. I like them a lot. I, I liked it better than you did. Yeah, you did <laughs> in a previous yeah. episode. So so uh, you know uh, uh, I hope it happens. Yeah, I do too. So. We shall see. So, well, I think I think whatever happens with the White Album, if anything, might be a indicator of if we can continue to expect this uh more deluxe re-releases i know ringo was quoted in rolling stone recently saying oh yeah i hope they do abbey road also and i hope they do them all and yeah, yeah. we'll see uh, i hope they do too obviously but obviously. Uh, we'll yeah. see we'll see what happens yeah we'll see i think we're getting the white album for sure but we'll see about this one if they just never really isn't it sort of phony baloney if they just never release let it be movie i think it would be yeah but, i don't like, we have to wait for and for, it's dumb it's like it's we're dumb. all gonna buy it i know of course we will they saw what <laughs> we did with the the big box set of the deluxe pepper where everybody bought it so yeah, yeah i don't know it's if, if only if you or and i were consultants to apple we could uh, <laughs> corner the market here on all our favorites oh <laughs> uh, yeah uh, anyway so uh, one thing we want to tell you about here, and we have this is exciting. We have a giveaway. I mentioned the I read a quote from Rob Sheffield's new book, and he's a you may know him from reading Rolling Stone. He's a columnist, and he writes about a lot about TV and popular culture, and he's done a lot of uh, reviews, record reviews, and things. Well, uh, I have copies of his new book, and it's called Dreaming the Beatles: The Love Story of One Band and the Whole World. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it. I'll read the little blurb here. Rob Sheffield, the Rolling Stone columnist and best-selling author of Love is a Mixtape, offers an entertaining, unconventional look at the most popular band in history, the Beatles, exploring what they mean today and why they still matter so intensely to a generation that has never known a world without them. Uh, and I, it's very funny, it's witty, and I think think you'll enjoy it. So uh, we have several copies here that we'd like to give away and all you have to do is one of two uh, is send us an email at i've got a beatles podcast at hotmail.com and we will randomly select listeners who give us either episode ideas that you really want us to talk about or I mean any kind of comment or any kind of tell us a favorite song of yours or tell yeah. us a tell us an episode idea or or just anything or you could just email us and say hi yeah you know Introduce please yourself. enter me that's fine too but yeah. but it, uh, it's a good opportunity for you to like uh, uh, interact with us and then and then we'll you know we're not gonna email you uh, every two days with uh, all <laughs> kinds of things but we might. 
we might uh, put together a little newsletter and and just say like, hey, this episode's coming out and uh, join us. We're going to be here and that kind of. So we, we can give you a little more direct information. Yeah. Uh, between us and and you guys. Yeah. So. And for purposes of this giveaway, I'll only email you if you are a winner of the yeah. book. So. Uh, as I say, I think you'll enjoy it and I'm going to post something on our Facebook page. I have a little ad for the book that I'll post, uh, but we figured it'd be easier to do it by email since not everybody's on Facebook. So email us by the end of September. So September 30th, 2017 at the time of this, uh, uh, recording. And, and that's when the contest will end and we'll not really contest. We'll just give away yeah. a few books and we'll email you and get your address and that kind of stuff. Exactly. So. Yeah, and once again, the email address is I've got a Beatles podcast at hotmail.com. So very easy to remember. Well, all right. Well, this has been very fun to uh, give Phil Spector a little dignity back, maybe, and dispel the myth, we hope. If you disagree with us, you can let us know. Uh, you can send that as an email response if you just thought we were completely full of it. Uh, but yeah. Say Phil Spector is the worst thing that ever happened to the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> that's great, too. We'll enjoy reading that. So. Yep. Uh, in any case, we want to go out with uh, Let It Be, and you are, you love this version because of the guitar solo. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's great hearing the guitar solo, and not just the guitar solo, but it, it like plays throughout, you know? Yes, yes. So it's, it really does uh, make it sound uh, great. Uh, yeah. uh, one of the best best tracks here on the, the uh, Phil Spector version. Definitely. So. So we'll be back again soon. We are, we have a Ringo album coming out, and we've got to talk oh, yeah. about that. Yeah, so that's coming out on September 15th, I believe. Uh, interviews and other some uh, other fun stuff coming, and maybe some ideas submitted by you guys as well in the giveaway. So, and All right, well, we'll leave it at that and go out with the Phil Spector-produced version of Let It Be. In times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me Speaking words of wisdom, let it be And in my hour of darkness, she is standing right in front of me Speaking words of wisdom, let it be Let it be, let it be, let it be Whisper words of wisdom, let it be. And when the broken-hearted people living in the world agree, there will be an answer, let it be. But though they may be parted, there is still a chance that they will see. There will be an answer, let it be.
is cloudy There is still a light that shines on me Shine until tomorrow, let it be I wake up to the sound of music Mother Mary 